You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host Nilin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 146. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So I really cannot believe it's November already. We're fast approaching the holidays. I really like this time of year actually because I feel like everything slows down a little bit. People are happier. People are really ready and hopeful and just joyful in general, and also be in reflection mode. So this is a really great time to look back what went well this year, and then also still you know keep working, trying to get last bit into. The final seven weeks of the year, and also this is a really great time to start planning for next year to see what you want to get done, what are some of your big goals, and how far you went this year, and how can we do better next year. So it's really an exciting time. I also love this time of year because this is really a time where family get together, where everyone has a little bit more free time, can hang out. Or do like Zoom meetings. I've been doing a lot of those, catching up with my friends. Just at the year end, it's just a really nice time to kind of reflect and also think about what I want to do next year. So today on the show, I have someone really special. She is the COO of Seventeen Hats, and I'm really grateful for Seventeen Hats because not only they were our sponsor this year at SageCon 2020, but they were also. An instrumental part of running our home staging business when we were in full operation, and the reason why we really recommend Seventeen Hats it was because it was really a critical part of our home staging business. It really helped me free up from a lot of paperwork, admin, and chasing clients with emails and all that really tedious stuff. And as you know, probably our business model was really lean, so it was really me essentially doing all the paperwork. So I was really. Happy when I found Seventeen Hats, which was a really great solution and substitute in terms of trying to do everything manually. And also, I just love and obsess with the workflow and also automation. So, if you're like us, you probably didn't go into the staging business to do more paperwork, right? So it's always a chaos of invoices and emails and to dos, and it can drive us a little bit nuts as a business owner. And that's really where Seventeen Hats as a software can come in, and it's like you cloned yourself as well. They do have this all-in-one platform now that can really help you automate your staging business. It can handle the tedious stuff like the payment reminders, capturing leads, proposal invoicing, and even online scheduling as well. We're gonna put more information on this on our site. Just go to sagemore.com/slash/seventeenhats, and you get more information about how we use it, and then some examples, and also you can watch some videos that are recorded by Amanda in terms of walking you through the software as well. As you probably already know, Seventeen Hats is a California-based automation platform that provides small business owners the organization and also automation needed to grow their businesses. Amanda is a really passionate educator, photographer, and small business enthusiast who loves to help small businesses beat the burnout by putting the proper process in place. So on today's show, we actually talk a little bit about everything when it comes to operating your small business. It's really important to talk to someone like Amanda, who has a very analytical background and also who's very familiar in terms of systematizing our businesses. That's a really a big component, I think. In the courses we have at Sage More, especially with a six-figure four-plan course that we're in the process of remodeling and relaunching next year, it's really about auditing your system to make sure that your home staging business works like a well-oiled machine. 
So with a few finer tweaks here and there, so that it can run essentially without you. That is something I also learned from reading the book Emis. I also had the opportunity to actually work a little bit with Mr. Gerber, who is the author of Emis. If you have not read that book, I highly recommend it. On our website, we do have a section now. If you go to stationworld.com/shop. You'll see if you scroll on the bottom. There's a list of things that we recommend. So E Myth is definitely one of the books I really highly recommend. It really breaks down the entrepreneurship personality into three different parts, and we kind of need all three to run our small business successfully. So on today's show, I talked to Amanda a little bit about that as well in terms of how can we really leverage automation in our business to run our business more efficiently, so that we can save time and money. And most importantly, look good in front of our clients. We also talk a little bit about burnout as well. I think those are some of the important things we should be talking about as a society, but we don't. Especially, I think in the West, there's a lot of this hustle culture. I think it was really in right in the 2000s, where people was always like side hustle, the hustle, the hustle, whatever it is. But ultimately, I think it's really important to understand, especially most of us who own our small businesses, we usually are one woman show or one man show, or we run it with one partner, and so we stretch ourselves very, very thin. So it's really important to take care of ourselves as well, so that we can take care of our clients. So we definitely did that on the show today. Before we start the show, just a couple quick reminders. So on the 16th of November, we're having another free community talk. And this time, it's all about juggling parenthood and also running a home staging business. And we got two great stagers joining us for that as well. I'm super excited for both of them. And we'll be announcing our February 2022 retreat as well. So I'm in the process of planning a three-day, four-night retreat in Portland, Oregon, that you can join us. We're going to be workshopping your home staging business. We're in the process of nailing down all the details and also just making sure the accommodation is okay and everything like that. So we'll be announcing that really soon, as well as some Black Friday deals. So stay tuned for that if you're following us on Instagram, on our mailing list, or you're already a member of our free community platform. All right. So without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome to our show. Hi, Cindy. Thank you so much for having us on. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So we were actually a longtime user when we were actively staging, and Seventeen Hats really helped me a lot since we had a very small team. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you end up working for Seventeen Hats? Yeah, so that's actually a really funny story that I'm excited to tell you. I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, but I actually met the 17 Hats team when I was a small business owner. I was using a competitor's product and I was frustrated and not happy. And I went to a convention that had a trade show and I learned about 17 Hats there. And it was really interesting because you know, I got there and I just like grilled the staff. I'm like, is it going to be able to do everything I wanted it to do? Because at that time I was a high school senior portrait photographer and I was about to get into my busy season. So I really needed to get home from the trade show and be able to utilize it ASAP, get everything going before I got into my busy season. And then I got home and lo and behold, it didn't work. I couldn't log in. And it was so interesting. And I was so frustrated. 
I emailed support and I received a lackluster response from support. And I was super frustrated. So I was like, you guys told me this would work. Then I went ahead and I emailed up to headquarters to the people that I met at the trade show because I was like, look, like you said it would work. It's not working. I have a problem. This is about to get into my busy season. I need some help here. And so that's when we went into kind of multiple conversations. I started to have conversations with a few people that worked at 17 Nats. I started to have conversations with Donovan. And that was early 2017. Eventually, I was hired on to do some consulting work. So give some live feedback of what a member was feeling and and how a member was utilizing the software. And then eventually, in July of 2017, I was hired on to revamp kind of the structure of the company. I know, Cindy, you were a member back in that time. The reality is, is that 17 Hats grew really, really fast. We were one of the fastest growing SaaS companies during that time. And, you know, we didn't have the process in place to meet and keep up with the demand. So that's really what I came in to do is I came in to implement that process and kind of restructure everything. So yeah, I was hired in July of 2017 and it's been a fun ride ever since. That's very interesting. So I think that's a funny part about businesses because it's like having children, right? It will grow and then because... The circumstance might change, your own lifestyle might change. And so the, the goals of your business need to change as well. And so I think you came in a very interesting time where something house was growing really fast. So there was growing pain as well. So what did you do to actually specifically implement a structure to make sure that it's growing sustainably and not going to explode? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because we now talk a lot about process and share our story because we went through it as many small business owners go through it, as you know, as well. You know, it was really about taking a step back and saying, okay, hold on. Let's take a thousand steps back and let's look at it from a big overview. What's the problems we need to fix now? What are the problems we can fix later? What are the problems we can fix in a year from now? And then it's also really looking at it. Are you getting rid of one ant at a time? Are you getting rid of the whole ant bed? Right. Because a lot of times as business owners, we get stuck in the weeds and we solve this one problem and this one problem and this one problem and this one problem. And we don't realize that all of these one problems are actually coming down from something higher up. And so if we solve that one higher up problem, we would be able to solve the smaller problems that happen below. And so it was really about taking a lot of steps back, getting out of the weeds looking at it from a high-level overview and saying, what do we need to do to change the process? Because what we're feeling, the stress our members are feeling, the stress that we are feeling, it is a result of bad process, right? And so it was really taking that step up, looking up, how can we change the process and what needs immediately changed versus what can we change later? I love that. So for our audience who's not familiar with 17 Hats, do you want to give us a little bit of introduction of what exactly 17 Hats and what does it do? Yeah. So 17 Hats is your all-in-one start-to-finish business automation platform that really helps you grow and scale your business. And we do that by helping you put the processes, the systemization, the automation in place so that you can step back from your business and go do the things that you're needing to do without being chained to your desk, right? So there's all of these 
little to-dos that take up the majority of your day. For most of us, we go into business thinking, you know, we're going to get out there and be able to stage all day long or, you know, whatever your passion is, be able to do that. But quickly we realize that we're stuck behind a desk constantly answering emails, answering phone calls, answering text messages, sending out quotes, you know, doing all of that jazz. And we don't have the time to do the fun stuff right? And we don't have time to live our lives. It really takes over our whole life. And before you know it, you're working till midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and then getting up at six o'clock to do the grind again. And it's not healthy. And it's just not a good way to run a business either. So Sending Hats, really, you're able to outsource all of those small tasks through the automation. So online scheduling for booking your consults and booking your leads, quote contracts and invoices all tied together so people can complete them very quickly without the need of your assistance. On the flip side, to be able to manage all of that, right? Once you have a lead, once you have a contact, you have to manage it. And instead of using the old school filing system that you know you only have in your desk or multiple apps, we put it all in one place in the cloud so you have access to it. So you can manage on the go if you need to. You can manage from your phone with our app. So it's going to be your one-stop shop for managing your business, but also alleviating those tasks for new clients and leads that are coming in. I think that's what I found very helpful in my staging business. We were able to set up all these automation and workflows. Basically, one action triggers another. So let's say if the client saw our staging proposal, they click accept, it will fire an email to me. Because the thing is, there's things that we cannot just flip on. For example, the contract, so we need to specify in terms of what's included. But it will send an action to my assistant so she knows to update the contract and then send it out. Things like that really save us a lot, especially when we had a very small team. And I think it's interesting because you're basically on the operations side now. Where do you see people often get stuck with their operations? Yeah, so that's a really great question. A lot of people go into business or a lot of our users or members at least, they have a passion and they take that passion and they turn it into a business. And a lot of times with the passion, they are starting their business without you know really even realizing they're starting their business. And so there's a lot of learn as you go, right? You do, you learn, you do, you learn, and you kind of start to put this patchwork process into place and your process works for you. What I see people get really stuck is that when they're ready to level up their business and take it to the next goal, they don't want to change their process. They want to stick with what they've been doing as they've been learning, right? Instead of saying, okay, stop. I want to move on to my next goal. What do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? make those adjustments, and then move towards the next goal. But since people don't, I don't know if I think it's a little bit of fear of change. It's not knowing what to do. I think that there's a combination of reasons why we don't. But because people don't stop and say, okay, next goal, let me make changes, right? We really get stuck because then we hit that kind of hamster wheel We're doing the same thing, but we have a new goal and we're just kind of running on that will and doing that grind. And that's when burnout kicks in. So I think that is kind of the number one big issue is being afraid to change, maybe not knowing how to change, continuing to do what we're doing, but expecting a different result. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think also with a lot of creative business owners, a lot of times maybe they're not very system oriented. If they don't know where to start, do you have any recommendations on that? If I just started my home staging business and I need to set up my operation system, what should I look at and how should I approach this? Absolutely. So I think you're 100% correct. A lot of people don't know where to start. And so that's why I say you have your whole client experience and you want to break it down into four stages, okay? So your first stage is your lead experience. This is from the time your lead contacts you until the time they say, yep, I'm ready to book, right? That is one experience that needs to be worked on. Your second experience is your booking experience. So that's from the time they say, yep, I want to book until the quote, contract, invoice, whatever you do, right, to officially book them is completed, okay? That is your booking experience. That is a separate experience that you're going to have to work on. Then you have your onboarding experience. So that is going to be from the time that they book with you until the date that you complete their service. What's the average onboarding experience for the average time frame from booking until you complete or start the staging? For us, usually it was about one to two weeks. Uh, Sometimes maybe slightly longer if it's like a construction thing. But yeah, usually I think we'll say one to two weeks. Yeah, so it's that one to two weeks in which you might be sending questionnaires out to learn more about them. You might be sending them emails so that they can educate themselves on what's about to take place, confirmation emails about where they need to be or what needs to occur. Right, so you have the onboarding experience. So that's your third experience. Then your fourth experience is your fulfillment experience. That is actually providing your service, actually going and staging. And then what comes after that? Because there's a lot of stuff that you do to stage a home that has to be planned and taken care of for you to providing the best service possible, right? So altogether, you really are, when you look at client experience, there's four different sections in that client experience. So I think if I was just starting out with providing an experience, the first thing that I would look at is, you know, which one of those sections do I need to work on first? And I would probably guess it's either going to be your lead or your booking. Don't try to do all four of them at the same time, okay? But try your lead or your booking probably first and think to yourself, okay, in let's just say lead experience. In my lead experience, how do I want the person to contact me? Well, I want them to submit a lead capture form. Okay, great. What is the goal? What is the goal of this step? The goal of the step is to obtain their name and their phone number or an email address. Great. What's the next thing do you want to do? I want to call them or do you want to schedule a consult? What do you want to do? Right? So you take yourself through this kind of mental mind map of each step and you think, okay, this is step one. What's the goal? This is step two. What's the goal? This is step three. What's the goal? Every piece of communication or interaction that you have with a client or a contact should always have a goal. We should never be contacting them without a goal. So I think you have to walk yourself through that process. Again, if you're just getting started, your first lead process might be the client calls me and I set up a consultation. And at the consultation, we go over the quote contract invoice. It might be as simple as that, right? So I would start off very simple with whatever you're doing now, put it down on paper so you have it in writing somewhere. And then after every lead, you sit back, you reflect and you go, what went right, what went wrong? 
How can we optimize this? What did I learn from this experience? How could I better the experience? And then you take that reflective process and put it back into your system. So I would start off very simple and keep reflecting and keep making changes. No, I love that. I think building the really great client experience is very key, actually, especially for service-based businesses. Because I think if client has a positive experience working with you, they're going to keep coming back. So it's really important to design the right experience for them. So once we set up a system, how often should we look at it? You know, how often should we tweak and refine? Because like you said earlier, your business does grow. So when do we know do we need to make a change? Yeah, I think that depends a lot on your business and how long you've been in business. So again, I think if you are starting out and in your first year of putting in a process, I would be looking at my process after every contact. After every contact, I would dive into what went good, what went bad. Why was the client mad? Why was the sell low? Why did I feel like I was running around with my hair on fire? Why was I waking up in the middle of the night stressing? Right. So I would be asking myself those questions after every lead or every booked client. And if you find yourself going, oh, the client should have, the client should have, stop and look inwards and say, what could I have done? What could I have done to make this smoother? And then implementing this process. So if I was starting out, I would do after every client for at least the first year. If I am two to three years in business, or if I have a process that I'm happy with, I would still review it every quarter. I think every quarter to take an afternoon or just a few hours, look back over all of your clients. And again, just reflect what is working, what is not working, right? Two very simple questions that you can just make a T-chart with, right? And put your answers down. And again, writing them down is important because that's going to trigger your brain to start thinking of other things as well. But just thinking, you know, what's important and what's not important every quarter. I think at a minimum every year, at the minimum, at the end of the year, what went right, what went wrong, testing your system for yourself, looking over it, making sure things are understandable, looking back at your client experience, looking back at feedback from clients, I think minimum at least once a year. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think we're starting to talk about this a little bit. It's important to address why is systematizing your business so important, right? Especially I think with service-based business, the things we deliver, you know, a service is kind of abstract for our client. It's not like buying a shirt where you know if you buy 10 shirts, it's going to be the same color, same pattern, where service is really hard. So why is system so important for our business? Yeah. So creating a system is also creating a repeatable experience. It's a funny story because when I first came into 17 Hats and Donovan would talk about a lot about creating a repeatable experience, creating a repeatable experience. And I'm all on board of creating a repeatable experience, but a lot of our members would be like, why? Why do I need to create a repeatable experience? Why is that important? And there's several reasons why that's important. But I think the biggest, most relatable reason to create a systemized experience, which is also repeatable, is to help with your referrals. So catch this. If I offered a stellar experience to client A and client A went and referred client B and I didn't have a repeatable experience or a systemized approach to my business and 
I did not offer a good experience to client B. Client B is going to go back and tell client A, and now client A is never going to refer you. And so you're actually kind of cutting your feet off by not having a repeatable experience, right? Because these people that were super stoked about you, once they refer and if they get a bad report back about your business, they're going to stop. It's funny because I've mentored people that have come to me and said, you know, I, I'm so focused on marketing. I'm doing everything I can with marketing. How do I grow? And I say, hold on, stop. Let's take a step back. Are you taking care of your clients right now? Like, are you taking care of your current client base? I said, let's do an audit on that first. We'll come to find out she was not taking care of her current client base. They were booking and she was just kind of dropping off the face of the earth. And once we took care of that system and we created a repeatable, systemized experience for them that was very stellar, her referral rates went up and which solved her marketing issue. So it's kind of what we talked about at the very beginning, really taking those steps back and looking at what your problems are, because sometimes it comes down, the problem is in the fact that we don't have a systemized business that creates a repeatable process that creates a stellar client experience. So it all really connects together at a very base foundational level. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. It's really interesting because you talk about how she dropped the ball on taking care of her client. So what are some of the things that you did to help her warm her client base up again? So we see that a lot. You get busy with the service, right? With staging and you're really, really tired every day. The last thing you want to do is think about sending newsletter or like calling old client, you know, wishing them happy holiday kind of thing. So what are some of the things that we can do to keep taking care of client even when we're busy? One of the misconceptions about automation is that when you automate, you lack personality and you lack the personalization. And so I think it's really important upfront. In 70 Hatch, you can use something called custom builds where you can gather like their dog's name, their children's name, their favorite color, their favorite food, their favorite tea, whatever it is, right? And so you can gather that information, put it in those custom fields, and then use what we call tokens, which are placeholders that will replace this placeholder with that data. And so you can create very personalized emails, personalized questionnaires that will go to your clients that still feels like this is a really good relationship, even though it is all populated for you. So I think a part of it is just really, one, getting to know your clients getting to know them on a personal level, being able to take that information that you gathered and to be able to store it somewhere so that you can reuse it and remember it. There's no way I'm able to remember all of my clients' information, but I can look at just like a doctor looks at your chart before they come into your room, right? That's exactly what you do. You look at their profile before you talk to them and lo and behold, you have all of their information. So being able to gather that information, store that information, have that information accessible, that's one thing. And then being able, especially after they book, right? Everybody is, as small business owners, we want that money, we want that booking. And then normally it's like, once we get the booking, it's like, oh, I don't have to provide the service for a week. I'm gonna go take a vacation, right? You lose contact with them and that's not a good experience, right? They don't understand why they got premium service upon booking. And then after booking, they don't get premium service. 
And it leaves this distrust with them, right? They start to wonder, well, are you really just about the money? They're not going to ask you that, but they think it. So you want to continue the conversation even post-booking. And that's so easily done through automation, through email templates, through questionnaire templates. And, you know, at the end of the day, they hired you because they wanted your personal expertise. That's what they wanted. Today with YouTube, with social media, anybody can learn how to do anything today. But they wanted you. They wanted your expertise. So it was really about going back through that experience, looking on how we can gather personal information, how we can make a better connection with the individual, how we can reuse that data to make that connection feel lasting and automate a lot of those communications so that they are delivered on time every time. And it wasn't, if I get around to it, I'll send it. They were delivered each and every time. No, I love that. It seems so magical. I love automation. Most of us start with solopreneur, right? Like we are a solo business owner or maybe have a very small team. So I think we really need to leverage automation and leverage the technology to do things for us. So that it's not like, oh my God, I forgot to post. I forgot to send an email today, but it's actually going to go out on time to make sure our client feels taken care of. So how far can we go with automation? What are some of the things we can automate? And are there things we cannot automate? Yeah, so I have worked with clients who have automated everything from the lead coming in and they do not actually talk to the client until the day of the service. So that is how far you could automate if you wanted to. Now, everybody's business model is different. So it really depends on you and your business structure. But I have seen it completely automated and nothing is done until the time you show up for the service. But there's so many cool things to automate. I think the most useful thing to automate is your lead capture forms. It is a very well-known statistic that the sooner you get back to the lead, the higher likelihood they are to book you. When they contact you, they are probably contacting two to three, four other people as well. A lot plays into the fact of who returns first. And can you return an email that is engaging and interesting and something that is not about you, but about them? And so I love with 17 Hats that you can create a lead capture form. You can ask them, hey, which of the following are you interested in? You can put your services down. They can choose one. And that will automatically email back an email, which includes a questionnaire. The email can have your average price range for that specific service. The email can have kind of your specific why book me type thing. But what I love about it is that you can include a questionnaire. And I I always say to only put four or five questions in this questionnaire because you don't want it to be too long. But that questionnaire is about them because we know that people love to share about their life. They love to share their journey. They love to share their struggle. They love to share what's going on with them. And so you're giving them a way to share back with you. What are their needs? What are their expectations? What date are they looking for? So they automatically get a feeling that you're professional, you're responsible, you know what you're doing, and you care about me, the client, and what my needs are. So think of it as a client. If I reached out to five home stagers, 
Two of them are probably not going to respond to me within 24 hours, right? One is going to respond with a generic email. Another one's going to respond with probably an out in office or a I'll get back to you within 24 hour auto response. And then there you are with this nicely crafted email with a questionnaire that's engaging about them. How is that going to look from the perception of the new lead? So that's one of like my most love things to automate is the lead flow because your leads are taken care of in an engaging and personalized way from the beginning. Online scheduling, booking your consults, booking your calls, booking dates, even service dates. You can do so much with online scheduling, Zoom calls, 17 hours online scheduling also cross-references your family calendar. So if you're planning on taking vacation for the weekend, if you have kids' soccer games, if you have all of that jazz, we're not going to show those times. And so it's nice, the ability to ensure that you're not booking over family events, that automation in itself, super important. Because as you said, small business owners, usually one person teams, that's how we start off as. And it all moves so quickly. Sometimes you're on the phone. If you schedule via phone, you're like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And then you get off the phone and go, oh man, that was supposed to be my child's whatever. So online scheduling is another good one. I mean, it's, gosh, there's so many just paid invoices and that automatically goes to tax reports that automatically goes to your average sales report, your profit loss report. So projects automatically showing up on your calendar. There's just so many to-dos that just is automated for you that saves you so much time. I agree with that. I mean, we are essentially the same thing, you know, like we actually took away phone numbers on our website for the NR staging business because I work really already a very consistent group of clientele. So any new client essentially needs to be screened. So we just had our lead generation form online and it just automatically fire a questionnaire and then they fill it out and we respond with the email and then they can schedule a time online as well with the online booking system. And then we just show up and then we have everything in templates. You know, before we show up, these are the things please to be ready for. We're going to ask you questions about this is what to expect during an appointment. And there's confirmation emails so people remember to show up kind of thing. And so there are lots of things that we can actually automate that actually make the operation so much smoother. Correct. Yeah. It's just, you know, the more you can get off your plate the more that you have time to spend with your family, you have time to market, you have time to make connections, you have time to do the other things that really make your life happy, one, but give you the ability to grow your business and scale your business. And then the other thing I want to ask is, do you have any recommendation for best practices when it comes to lead generation form? It shouldn't be too long, for example, because it deters people from filling out completely In your opinion, what are some of the best practices when it comes to lead generation forms? That's a great question. As we kind of talked about earlier, every step should have a goal, right? And so when I look at capturing leads, first off, I love that you took your phone number off of your website because I always tell people, how do you want people to contact you? And they're like, oh, please don't call me. And then like, take your phone number off of your website if you don't want people to call you. So lead capture form is great. So when dealing with those... I always say no more than five questions. So first off, interesting fact, your brain can recognize five without counting. Anything over five, your brain recognizes as too much. 
So that's scientific. So if you have more than five, you're already making your lead just a little jittery. Okay. Just a little bit overwhelmed. So every number you put over five, you're making them more and more overwhelmed. So rule of five is really big psychologically and mentally with how people see things and how that creates a reaction inside of their body. So no more than five. But again, going back to the lead capture form has a goal. So the lead capture form's goal is to get you their name and phone number or email address, whichever one you you want, because you can always follow up with them through email or phone number. It's also, you've got to think of your lead capture form as the first date. They've been checking you out on social media. They've been seeing how cute you are on your website, right? So they've been, not you, but your businesses, let's clarify that. But they're really kind of watching you. And most leads have seen your social media. They checked out your website. They've done that multiple times. And then they finally, you know, get up the courage to talk to you through your lead capture form. It's just like getting up the courage to ask somebody on a date, right? They're not asking for a marriage proposal. They're asking for more information. So if you make your lead capture form 10, 12 questions and you're wanting all of the information up front, that's a commitment for some leads. Some leads are going to do it. And they're ready. They're ready to move. They've been referred. They're what we call hot leads. Some leads are ready to do it and they're they're good to go. So they'll do it. And if you have a really, 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 really strong business that is only really gathering hot leads, you might be able to get away with more than five. But if you don't have huge amount of brand awareness, anything more than five screams commitment. And it's a barrier for entry. So. I like to say, keep it down to five. Remember what the goal is. You know, you can always follow up with emails or phone numbers. Make sure that they're accessible. Don't hide them. Make sure there's a contact me button that either opens a lead capture form. Get that contact button right on your homepage where people can see it. You can embed that lead capture form. Use your lead capture forms everywhere. People should not have to search for how to contact you. If they have to search for how to contact you, think of it as another hurdle. They're starting at the start line and your submission of your lead capture form is the end line. You want to eliminate as many hurdles as possible from beginning to end. So finding the lead capture form, that's a hurdle. Every question is a hurdle. The usability of the lead capture form is a hurdle. So you want to keep it as simple as possible because the goal is to gather their information. That makes sense. Yeah, I've seen stagers where they set up their lead capture form and then they ask them what kind of service they're interested in. And depending on what the potential client has selected, it will fire a very specific question there specifically for that service. So for example, if they select a vacant staging, then the question there would be, very specific, you know, tell us a little bit about the floor plan, how big it is, square footage, when is your market date? Yes. So that questionnaire, I still say to keep between five and six questions, no more than 10 at max, depending, especially if you have some short questions in there. If you have long questions, no more than five. But this is great. I love that aspect. And that's how we teach a lot with 17 Hats too, to fire that questionnaire because it, it engages in specifically their needs. 
right? They selected the service they're looking for. You're giving them information and engaging with them about that service. But the great thing I like about it is that you can get that questionnaire back and you can vet. Is this client the right fit for me? Is this a date that I have opened? Is the budget, is this something that I can do? This is the glory of owning your own business. There are going to be some clients, there's, this is just not the right fit for me. Maybe it's too far out of town. Maybe they're wanting something that I don't do or I'm not an expert in. And you can refer them out. But you need to vet your clients. I think that's really important to know that, hey, this is going to be the right fit for me. And if something that seems off, maybe the date you're already booked, you don't have to waste your time getting on a phone call or setting up a consultation. You can shoot them off an email that says, hey, sorry, we're already booked that date, right? And move on and part happily in in a way that if they need you again, they'll come back to you. I think that's important. Some people will, you know, not vet. And then if there is an issue, they don't part happily. And then they're never going to come back if they need you again. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then I think some of the things that people get freaked out because they have set up the system this way, let's say they set up a lead capture form 17 hats, but the client actually end up calling them instead. So they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. What would your advice be when there's kind of like a mix of systems? Yeah, there's always the ideal system. And then there's always the real world. There's definitely that when it comes to systemization. So inside of 17 hats, we actually have a call form that if somebody calls you, it's on your lead page, you can open up the call form and you can actually fill out the lead capture form as if they were doing it. So you're like, great, I'm excited to help you out. Let's start by getting some information from you first. What's your name? What's your email address? What's your phone number? And you just go through it. And the cool thing is, is that you can actually select, you can stop the workflow from triggering. So it would trigger the workflow, but it's not going to send any of the documents, which is really, really cool. So it allows for people who definitely have those systems that might change depending to make those adjustments very quickly and still do what's what you need to do on a daily basis. Because managing it, you always hope everybody goes through your flow, but the reality is not everybody's going to go through your flow. So you would use that call form to kind of go through Once you start a workflow, you can always adjust the workflow for that certain client. If something changes, you can pause workflows. You know, once a workflow is triggered and somebody says, hey, you know, I kind of want to hold off. I need to wait for two weeks. You can go in and put a pause step in there and pause your workflow, right? And then when it's ready again, you start it up again. So we definitely have built features and measures within the application to kind of help with real world scenario because not everybody's going to go by textbook. Exactly. And we need to be prepared for different scenarios as well. I think that's the the joy, right? For being a business owner. And I know one of the new functions you roll out, which is, I think, very exciting this year is the CRM component. Can you talk a little bit about what CRM is? Like, what does it do and how can that help business owners to generate more income? Absolutely. The foundation of 17 Hats has always been the CRM component. And we're definitely talking about that a lot more today because 17 Hats is CRM, Client Relationship Manager is what that stands for, and then levels of automation on top of that. The reality is having all of your contacts organized and accessible is so important to business because at the end of the day, 
Business is about relationships. The stronger your relationships are, the stronger your business will be. It's such an important mindset to kind of get in as a business owner that relationships really do come first. I think for a lot of businesses, we have to kind of adjust our thought process. For a lot of people, it's like, let's be great at our passion, home staging, and let's be good at business. But the reality is, let's be great at business and let's be good at home staging, right? To run a successful business. And so we have to adjust that mindset and realize the importance of relationship relationship building, networking, connecting, and connecting on a very authentic basis. In today's world, we talked about this a little bit earlier, anybody can go to YouTube and learn how to do whatever. And you start to see more and more service-driven businesses pop up because they learned how to do it off of YouTube or off of whatever. And as business owners, we have to separate ourselves through professionalism, really, so that they know that they can trust us, that we will do a good job. And that's really where that CRM portion takes place. It plays a huge role because again, having your data, having your contacts organized, having them accessible, being able to store their details, their information to be able to remember their birthdays and send them a little happy birthday when that comes up, being able to remember their spouse's name, their children's names, their pet's names. All of that is really important in today's world. It adds to your credibility. It adds to your professionalism. So you need a place to store it, but you also need a place to continue the conversation. You might've met them. They might not need your services now, but man, you need to put those in your database You need to shoot them an email, tell them, thank you. It was great to meet you. Nothing sells me. I'm not selling them anything. They already told me they don't need my services right now. But you need to continue to be professional and continue that conversation and continue to build that relationship. And that's where your CRM comes into play in a huge manner and can really help you change your business over time. Yeah, I agree. I think COVID really has impacted business in ways we never thought about before. And I think especially now people are really craving more kind of the personal relationship. They don't really want to do business with a giant brand. They want to see the personality or the person behind the brand. And I think especially for us service-based businesses, it's really important to have that strong relationship organically. Ultimately, real estate is still very old school in a sense that it's a people industry. You know, people want to do business with people they like. So that's why it's really important to keep track of the detail like you said earlier. Because is it possible to remember, well, which of my clients have kids or when is their anniversary? You might talk about it in passing. But I think that would be really impressive if I actually call them up. It's like, hey, John, happy anniversary. I remember we talked about this six months ago at a networking event. How is it going? Do you have any special plans? Kind of thing. You just chat them up. And even just to be able to gift them, gifting is huge. It's always been huge. It's making its comeback now as well. I think especially through COVID because people didn't have those face-to-face interactions that people would just shoot people over a gift. And being able to be reminded to do that, being able to stay on top of all of that, so important. But I agree with you. COVID has definitely changed business and people want that one-on-one relationship People want to hear from you. People want to know that you're trusted. 
And so that client relationship manager is huge when it comes to building that trust. I agree. And I know that you guys got, I think, more than 25,000 members on your platform now. And you work with quite a few of them as well. What do you think attributed to people's success when it comes to running their small businesses? Yeah, that is such a great question. You know, society, I feel like, has made busy popular. If you're busy, you're successful right? Which is one of my soapboxes I won't get on today. That's another conversation. The people that I find most successful, they're not busy because they have found a way to put their business hat on and to truly think of their business like business. So think about if you were going to play baseball or softball or sport, you can either go out there and play around as an afternoon fun activity where everybody's breaking rules and fouling and whatever, whatnot, or you can go play to win. There's two different mentalities. And my people that I've worked with that are the most successful, they play to win. They put the business hat on and they say, we're going to do this. We're going to treat this as a business. What do I need to do? And they're not afraid of change. If they need to make changes, they'll make changes. They're not afraid to change. They're not afraid to try new things. You know, some of us will not do a retrospective on our past clients out of a fear that we did something wrong, right? That's just our own issues. We're scared. Man, what if I did really mess up? My members that I've worked with, they're not scared of that. They're like, all right, let's do a retrospective. Let's look back at the last three clients. Let's dive deep into them. Let's see what went wrong. And they take the feedback. And I think it's so important for business owners to be able to take feedback. I don't want you criticizing yourself because that's just like a not good world to go into. But to look back and say, hey, this didn't go well. I could have done that better. Let me see what I can do to fix that next time and fix it and see if it goes better. I mean, this can go all the way back to, am I attracting the right person on my website? right? Am I attracting the right ideal client? So there's lots of levels of depth that you can go to. But I think my people that are most successful, they're constantly evaluating themselves, their business, their processes, they're putting on their game hat to win. They're saying, you know what, I'm going to stop messing around and I'm really going to start treat this like a business. And those tend to be the ones that are most successful. And, And I will say that let's play ball mentality, let's go out to win, isn't for everybody. And if it's not how you want to do it, that's okay. That's okay. But you have to understand your business might not grow to your complete vision with it. Your mentality, reality, and vision all have to be aligned. If you don't want to play ball and win the game, that's absolutely okay. But just make sure you understand where you're going. That's great advice. Also, there's a myth when it comes to starting your business. People often think that is the hard part, but actually that's the easiest part. It's actually building a business to be profitable and sustainable in the long term without yourself exploding and burning out. I think that is really the difficult thing. And the stats is really scary because I think US Bureau of Labor, they said about 20% of businesses fail in the first year. And by the end of the fifth, half of them have failed. So why do you think there's such a high percentage of failed businesses? It's really sad. That is like the goal of 17 hats, right? The goal of 17 hats is to decrease that number. I think that it's a variety of different reasons. But I think the number one 
reason is we don't treat our business like a business. We're scared to change and that leads to burnout. We talked about this earlier. And again, 17 Hats went through this as well. We didn't put the processes in place. We grew very quickly and we couldn't handle the growth. Most people would have just stopped at that point. They just stopped and kind of fallen off. That's what happens to a lot of small businesses is that one path is you grow very quickly. You can't handle the growth. You deliver a bad experience. You lose clients. You're not gaining new leads. Your business dies. That's one path. Another path is that you are learning business. You are putting your kind of process together in a hodgepodge way. It's working for you. But then you're ready to grow. Same thing we talked about earlier. You're ready to grow and take it to the next level, but you're not willing to change. You're not willing to make the changes needed. So you're trying to grow. You haven't made any changes. You're doing the same thing. You're getting the same result day after day after day until one day burnout hits you. And I never believed in burnout because I don't know, I guess I thought I was superwoman or something. And then it did hit me and it came on the next day. I had people telling me, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then one day I woke up and I was like, I can't do this. And everybody I talked to about burnout says the same thing. The day before, I would have told you, there is no way I'm going to burn out. And the next day, there I am, burnt out. And so that's another path that a lot of people take is that you want to grow. You want to raise your prices. You want to get more clients. You want to make this super, super profitable and successful, but you're not making the changes to do it. And so you're just stuck in the hamster wheel. And that hamster will will eventually get you. So I think those are the two main issues. Both of them reflect back on not having a solid foundation, not having a good process, not systemizing your business. I love that. This has been amazing. And I cannot believe we're coming up to the hour. So before we leave the show, what is the number one tip you'll give to home stagers when it comes to organizing and systemizing their home staging businesses? Number one tip. Oh, I think that it would be going through all of my tips in my head as quickly as possible. I think it would be, if you're just starting in business, start your foundation early. Start your process. Even if it is a small process, start your process early. If you haven't started early and you're a few years into it, get started on that process. Get started systemizing. Get started training your mind to look at this as a business, not just a side hobby. That is a mindset. That is a mind change. So I think really my one tip, which was a combination of a few tips, take the end of this year, take a step back all the way back from your business, really evaluate it. What went right? What went wrong? What can I do to be better? Constantly evaluate it. Get started on those processes They're so important, especially if you want this business to be a 5, 10, 15, 20-year business, and if you want it to be successful. If you don't have processes, you're going to hit a ceiling. It's 100% a fact. You're going to burn out. So get those processes. Get started early. If you haven't started early, get started now. Rome wasn't built in a day. Don't try to do that, right? Don't try to build it all in a day, a week, or a month. This is a change in your business, Go after the change, be excited about the change, go through the hard stuff with the change, evaluate yourself, evaluate your business, evaluate your clients, 
make the changes that are needed over time. And I promise you, you will be successful. There's no way you won't. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. That was absolutely amazing. You are very welcome. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.